The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners, and Merry Christmas. My prayer is that each of you have family and loved ones gathered around your table today for one of the most significant meals of your year to celebrate the gift of Jesus Christ with us. My guest today has been in family ministry for 35 years and just received his Ph.D. in leadership from Dallas Baptist University last June. He has been the senior pastor at Kingsland Baptist Church since May of 2014, where Kim and I now attend church. In his About section on his LinkedIn profile, it simply states, passionate about connecting faith and home life. Dr. Ryan Rush, I am so genuinely pleased to welcome you as my pastor to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Well, David, thank you, man, and and Merry Christmas. What a special time to, to join you and talk about things related to family and home and men. So I'm really honored to be here and especially honored to be your pastor. Well, thank you, and and, and you're a great teacher, uh, as I've told you, and my mother-in-law thinks so, too, so that's a, that's a high praise. <laughs> I appreciate that. Wow. Well, if you can pass the mother-in-law test, I mean, you've done <laughs> yeah, something, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm still working on it myself. <laughs> So, Pastor, as, as you know, this show is about the things we wrestle with as men that reflect the struggle between our selfish, sinful nature and our Holy Spirit-inspired divine nature. The holidays provide an opportunity for us to be intentional about being the spiritual leaders of our families, in fact, connecting faith and home life. Uh, I understand that you have a book project in the works that centers around uh, returning, or I'm sorry, restoring the table. And so can you share a little bit more with our audience about the book and why you have felt called to write about it. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, in a broader sense, when we talk about the holidays, I love uh, your specific focus, David, because we recognize every man faces this challenge, right, of of thinking that we have to um, sort of be, be macho or or uh, distant or or all these these false narratives of what a man is supposed to be, and those don't really jive to the opportunities that we have at Christmas. And so, if we're not careful, we end up like so many men that I've done funerals for through the years, where. The, the, the children, a lot of times the adult children of that, that parent says, you know what? He never said he loved us, but he showed us he loved us. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Right. What a right. tragic way to describe a dad or a grandfather, right? When we have opportunities right here in this season to demonstrate love by just pointing to the cross, pointing to the Christ child and talking about what God has done, he sent his son into the world, and then manifesting that, exemplifying that. So that all comes back to this one specific area where I've kind of been camping out the last couple of years and working on a book that's taken way too long. I <laughs> wish I could tell your listeners that, hey, they can go get it, but it's not ready yet. But I can Soon. tell you the passion. I can tell you that the heart of it is that God has provided one specific area beyond, I think, any other that you can name in every culture in history and certainly every culture in the world right now to bring hearts together, connect hearts together. And that is the table around a meal. 
What's happening right now, David, is that science is catching up with this. People have done all sorts of research uh, studies in the last 20, 30 years demonstrating, oh, my goodness, you know what? When kids have time, intentional time with the ones that they love around the table, they have better grades. They have a healthier outlook. They they do better in, in just about every area of life. And you know what? God told us this a long time ago. You look at Psalm 128, it talks about blessed is the man who walks in his ways, talking about walks with the Lord. And one of the things he talks about, your children will be as olive shoots around your table. So the idea is they're going to grow naturally when they're around the table, when they're investing that time with mom and dad around meaningful mealtimes. It doesn't just have to be your children. I'm not just talking to people with kids at home, but there is something about mealtime that is different than anything else you can name. I, I, I agree with that completely, although I see... You know, even going out to restaurants now, no, no one uses a babysitter. They just they have a device. Right, you know, it's right. an iPad or something, yep. and they just stick it in front of that child. They're not engaging with other people, and mm-hmm. you know. And then when you begin to take it away, when you when you want to engage with the child, you know, they have a fit because yep. uh, hey, you you took away my entertainment. But that that's what I was relating with, and it's it's tragic. I think uh, so. Now we have you know out in Katy, we live in an affluent area. There's uh, people that are you know real keen on uh, sports you know for their children yeah. and so the families are they're running their kids you know to multiple sports because they let them try multiple ones before they want to kind of zero in on one and my when I grew up you know you, you got on one you know <laughs> and, right, right. And, uh, so what about a, a family who's kind of already raised their children and they're uh, maybe like people who have been divorced and didn't have the opportunity to have their children at their table uh, what do they do? You know, uh, or maybe they haven't, they, they missed that opportunity. So, how can those people with adult children kind of regain that ground? Well, you know, restore what? the Everybody table. Everybody can yeah. take advantage of the table because there's always people who are isolated, especially right now. I mean, David, you nailed it. Even when we're together, we're not together anymore. Right. We have this massive relational uh, separation without uh, getting into the weeds. My, my PhD in leadership really focused on how the leadership style of adults is born out of our attachment to our mothers and fathers or other caregivers. And it's a fact. And so the the, uh, the research bore it out. There's a lot of research beyond what I did looking at senior pastors in four different nations and how they lead today as compared to how they were raised. And so we know this is true, but it all comes down to this connection that we have emotionally with other people. And and that all, almost always comes back to a, a significant part of what happens around that table. So when you talk about families at the in the restaurant, and they're all looking down at their phones. Moms and dads are just as guilty as the right, teenagers right. and the kids and everybody else. We're not just talking about something that is, well, it's a phenomenon of the 21st century. No, this is a crisis, and we're going to find out how this bears out in the days ahead. So we have lots of separation that's taken place. You can go back to the 1790s, the first time in uh, mass fathers were working away from home because of the Industrial Revolution. We had vocational separation, and that doesn't seem like a big deal, but uh, for every generation up to then, uh, the kids just kind of looked at mom and dad. They were right there in their home. They were doing land together or, or blacksmith right. or whatever, mm-hmm. and they, they were doing it together. So what used to be natural now has to be intentional, right? You go to the 1790s, and you have the educational revolution, what you really have there, or rather the, the late 1800s. And, and you have uh, what happened is for the first time in history, we learned what we could do through industrial uh, revolution away from home 
in mass, and so professionals started to to uh, educate the kids. I'm not against education, obviously. Grateful for home educators, but but there's there's great education systems. What I'm saying is, for the very first time in history. In mass, you had moms and dads that were not the ones who were the primary educators of their kids. And so you had educational separation. And, and so when you add that to what we have now, we could get into the 1940s and World War II and how so many people were engaged in the war, moms and dads. And because of that, they didn't know what to do with the emotional strain across the world. I mean, in, in, in unprecedented terms, World War I and World War II, people saw carnage. And so you had emotional separation. And that brought us to this current generation where you have now relational separation. And, and so all that means what used to be natural, we didn't have to think about, nobody had to get on a radio show and say, you need to eat together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody had to do that. It just happened. Now what used to be natural has to be intentional. So what do you do? Going back to your question, if you don't have kids at home, it works the same way. What did Jesus do? He, he was constantly eating with people. There are always people who are alone. Think about on Christmas time. Uh, there is not a person listening today over the next two, three weeks while we're still kind of going through this holiday season and we have a few days off that's not somewhat alone or a single mom with her kids right, right. who wouldn't love to have. If you just said, hey, will you come over and have dinner with us? I mean, how great is that? Sit around the table, have a conversation, and you start to cultivate what used to be natural. Yeah, we did that actually over Thanksgiving with a young woman who's uh, 25. She's a family friend, has a little three-year-old beautiful redhead, but she didn't have her for Thanksgiving because she'd been through a divorce, and so she was kind of, you know, alone. But I think, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about your Ph.D. because I was kind of surprised that it was in leadership and not in like a doctor of divinity. So tell me a little bit more about why you chose that path. No, it's a really good question. I did undergraduate psychology because I just, I don't know whether I was a rebel or what have you. I started in ministry at age 15, by the way. I I remember you saying that. Yeah. So a little bit different. By the time I got to college, I knew I was going to be in ministry. So I was involved in ministry, had been on church staff since 15. So I wanted to, to look at something a little bit different from a biblical angle. So I did psychology. And then obviously in my master's work, I was in seminary, and so really looked heavily at theology. I think that's very important. But as I looked at my doctorate, I wanted to look at family from a little bit different angle. I didn't want to go necessarily from a psychological or counseling uh, focus, but how can we advance the home, you know, bring transformation to the home? And so um, the more I thought about it, the more I thought biblically, if you think about leadership— there is no greater leadership than mother and father in the home. There isn't. I mean, it, throughout history, it's just a fact. If you, if you define leadership as influence, as, as changing culture, as changing someone, moving them in a different direction, that's mother and father. And so I really wanted to look at that. And so when I began my research, I started to look at father in the home and how it impacted leaders later on. So that's why I ended up in that particular realm and talked to the, the, the heads of uh, the dean of of the doctoral program, the PhD program at Dallas Baptist before I began and said, listen, I'm all about the family. When I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about how to connect faith and home. I'm a pastor. Would you allow me to do that focus rather than maybe historic leadership or even what you might be considered in, in corporate world or anything like that? And they loved it. And so I was Great. grateful to be able to do it. Great. And well, congratulations. I know getting a PhD is no small deal, you know, especially while you're still working full time and you have your family. And so, uh, well, thank you. Well, what makes a meal meaningful. Right. And and I appreciate you talking, asking that question after you talked about the PhD, because it, it doesn't make me any smarter than anybody else. It really doesn't. 
but I didn't want to just speak from my heart about something that was so pa- I was so passionate about. I wanted to speak from 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 the breadth of experience and knowledge, even outside the scripture, it parallels scripture so that I could have a meaningful conversation with people who are far from God mm-hmm. and, and help them understand. Because I believe the table is, for lack of a better term, sort of a Trojan horse to to enter into the households of people who may not have any interest in scriptural things, but then introduce them to scriptural things. Because everybody understands, I think, the meaning and importance of the table, and everybody understands the meaning and importance of parenting. It's fun to be in the city of Houston and in this area where the whole world has come to us. That's true. Very diverse. Because there is not a culture that's moved to town that doesn't care about their family. In fact, most of them have come here because they care about their kids. They right. might have taken a step backward in their own career path so that they could have something better for future generations. Isn't that cool? That We're is surrounded cool. by people who are passionate about family. And so when we talk about family in that perspective, and I can bring it from from a— um, uh, an empirical perspective or an academic perspective, now I can introduce biblical things because all these things are rooted in the Scripture. So when we talk about the table, look back at the Scripture and see how many times Christ was around the table, as I mentioned, but also think about how many, how many uh, lessons are given to us through uh, food illustrations. Right. Uh, think about, I mean, ultimately, the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. When yeah. Jesus is saying, this is how you're going to remember what I have done. What are you going to do? You're going to do it around a table. You're going to eat and you're going to drink and you're going to, in doing so, identify with what I have done. Yeah, in fact, I, I found uh, here on the Holy Bible app there, there's this Dinner with Jesus little plan, you know, that I've been really? reading along just to just to actually prepare. And it goes to different scriptures, you know, and it has like uh, the Bible verse and then it has like little devotional. and But, uh, you know, just one example, because meals are an everyday. See, folks, this is why you listen to David Savage on the radio, <laughs> because I didn't know this. All right. There is a Dinner with Jesus Devotion. Plan, yeah, find. plan right there on your Bible awesome. app, man. What, what better way to begin the new year than that? Yep. I love it. So, you know, me- meals are everyday occurrence. We, ha- we all have to eat. That's the other thing is, like, we have to do it daily. And uh, so Jesus used meals often to engage with his people to teach uh, important lessons. So just for example, Luke 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32 relates one of those banquets. So after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous, but not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, Dr. Rush how do we restore sinners in our family who may be estranged from us during the holidays or at any other mealtime? At any other mealtime. And a lot of times holidays do bring people together. It may be too late for this holiday to make that happen, but you can look towards some future ones. And, uh, you know, almost anybody is willing to to accept a dinner invitation. Yeah, it's, it's that's funny. true. You know yeah, that's true. About yeah. it? It, it does lower the barrier of entry quite a bit. And so once you're there... Now you have an opportunity to have conversations that maybe might not happen otherwise because the guard is down. And I would not be afraid of scripting some of those. Let me give you some examples. So when uh, Lana and I, my wife Lana and I, had uh, Thanksgiving this year, we, we had the privilege of having both of sets of our parents together for Thanksgiving. And uh, one of the things we did, now we don't have high barriers with either set of parents. We have great relationships with them. And by the way, they have great relationships with one another. However, 
it is so nice to be able to kind of script the conversation. And so we had some cards that we wrote out and my wife just hand wrote some key questions, you know, to start rather than just devolving into, isn't the world awful right now? And did you watch the news last night? Yes. And isn't it terrible? Yes. And, all, and all the things that we tend to talk about when there's an absence of a script, right? Water cooler so, gossip. Right. Yeah. So we yeah. started with the first question was, what's the worst job that you've ever had? Well, we all have memories in our life. We're like, man, I remember doing that commercial roofing when I was trying to do ministry and that. It was just awful and it smelled like tar and all this stuff. No offense to the commercial roofers who are listening. I'm sure it's gotten way better, right? So everybody went around. We did that. And then then we asked the question. It was already written out, so we weren't making these things up. Okay, if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would you want to live? That's a pretty, you know, easy question to ask, right? So you start to move from there. And then as you're having conversations maybe with people who have some deep regrets or there have been some hurts in the past, here's a question that you might ask. is something like, if you could go back and tell your 18-year-old self anything, what would you tell them? You know, and it might be a goofy answer that somebody gives. And that's okay, like buy Apple stock, okay? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but uh, some people are going to have some serious things that at least gets you thinking about, you know, I wish I had some things to do over. And all you're doing is creating an opportunity for you to say in casual conversation where it doesn't sound like you're selling something, you know, hey, listen, you know what's so great about this particular holiday? When we talk about Christmas. God sent his son into the world because we've all screwed up. We all need a do-over. This world is messed up. Or... You pick a holiday. You can always find these things and have a higher purpose and goal for that meal and say, let's talk about that. But you have an opportunity to bless that individual that you have across the table like you can't any other time when you're sitting across a table. It's just something natural that we, we've been given by God. Yeah, I really agree with that. I, in fact, I was trying to do that with my, with my family because there's some uh, – tense tension, you know, in relationships and some of it's, uh, you know, politics. And it's like, look, you have to, uh, this is my sister-in-law that I'm talking about. Doesn't have a great relationship with my wife or her mother who lives with me. And and we're going to be on vacation. uh, So we'll actually be out of the country. And I called my sister-in-law. I said, Hey, you know, why don't you come and try to spend some time with your mom? You know, we're going to be gone. And so we, you know, we could have caregivers, you know, check on or whatever, but and she immediately texted me and wanted to know, you know, medications and all this other stuff. And I said, you know, she doesn't need a manager. She needs a daughter. Right. You know, why don't, you know, and, I, and because I'm it's talking really to her every day, I know what she likes to talk about. And you might find them mundane, but like her little French bulldog, Mandy, is like her whole world, you know. Yeah. Just ask her uh, the latest on Mandy and she'll talk for a long time. All you have to do is just listen and be there. And And she really wants that relationship with you. And time's growing short. You know, and so, you know, I, but I think having a script, you know, and preparing, especially when, you know, there's areas where you have to kind of define the boundaries of like, okay, let's just avoid, uh, you know, let's, let's put those boundaries out there. Let's be okay. You know, we're family, we're going to families fight, you know, and then when you say, okay, well, we know what we've, we've fought about in the past, so we don't have to bring that up again and relive it, but let's just put some boundaries and then, you know, whatever, you know, uh, this is the heart, isn't it, David, of all you've been talking about, and that is, okay, let's allow the Spirit of God to lead us. The mm-hmm. heart of real manhood that has been so twisted in our culture is just go first. Right. Like, so Model. it doesn't matter. If everybody else has a bad attitude around the table. You have the opportunity to be the source of blessing, to be the one to say, well, let me tell you what I appreciate about you or appreciate about this. And you can be the agent of peace around that table. Or when everybody's talking about what the world's coming to, to say, man, it's just true. It's kind of a mess right now, isn't it? But look who's coming to the world. 
Right. And it changes everything. And that's the heart of a mealtime. Going back to the, the whole idea of, okay, how do we do this? I want to make sure, if it's okay, that we have time to talk about the yeah. ingredients of a meaningful mealtime. What yes. does that mean? Okay. And, and so I'm going to give you three S's because, remember, at, at my, I really am a preacher at heart. So I, mm-hmm. have to, I have to come back to three points. Make it special. It goes back to your phone illustration. We all know how, how quickly a mealtime can be reduced to just like, okay, I'm going to grab a sandwich, or even if I'm eating, we're here, but we're not together. Okay, right. you got to put the technology away, turn the TV off, turn the football game off, turn the basketball game off. Put the phones. I've heard of people. We don't do this at our house, but put the phones in like a basket somewhere right. and right. say, okay, we're not going to pick those up until after. Whatever you have to do to make it special. You, you set aside a time. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money on a meal to do that, but, you, you know, light a candle and then say, okay, this is a special time. We're going to light a candle because it's special. It doesn't cost anything to light a candle or I guess technically a quarter or something. Right? <laughs> okay, so do that. Make it special. Make it social. And that means exactly what we've already talked about. Listen, script some things, have some questions ready, be prepared to drive the conversation toward the Lord. And, and and so that brings us to the third point, and that is make it spiritual. Invite the Lord to the conversation. Something we didn't even talk about that's pretty natural. It's like the last bastion of places where, where people don't look at you sideways if you pray. Right. Most, yeah, at least in your true. own household or even at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I can be with anybody. They can be very far from God and say, if you don't mind, I'd love for us to bless this meal. And nothing else, if I'm paying for the meal, I get to do that, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I get to thank the Lord for what he's done and kind of set the tone. I'm inviting the Spirit of God into that meal. I'm making something not just horizontal but vertical. Now the conversation changes, right? So you make it spiritual. So you have those questions, and it doesn't mean you have to have a devotion or a sermon or anything like that at the table. But something happens if toward the end you say, can I just read one one text, you know, mm-hmm. just to bless this day or change the, the tone of the day? Read a proverb or read a word and say, isn't that cool what the Lord has done? And maybe, depending on the temperature around the room, to say, what does that scripture mean to you? And just watch the Holy Spirit do his work. There's something about a mealtime, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, and he yeah. can do it, right? Oh, that, yeah. It doesn't have to be you. Sure. You know, one thing, I, I've been in the energy business, I uh, had to travel all over the world, I've had a lot of meals in a lot of different yeah. countries, and uh, fortunately on a good expense account. But uh, it's interesting who I'm hanging out with now with this show. I've had a lot of different pastors, and there's a guy named uh, Buddy that uh, is, was a 50-year pastor down at, uh, you know, in Pearland at Sagemont. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we've had lunch or breakfast every time, and every time we're at a restaurant, he always asks the server, can I pray? What, what, how can we pray for you? Yeah. And, uh, and it's just amazing how people will kind of just – you know, this is people with, you know, facial jewelry and tattoos and things. You know, they're like, man, you know, I'm really they their whole countenance changed. Yep. And then he prays for him. And I, I was uh, I was feeling a little bit of shame, you know, that I haven't done that before. So uh, anyway, I thought that that's a great illustration. It can be done in public, too. Anywhere. And, and, oh, yeah. And, and so uh, any, any final thoughts or advice or, or why don't you just tell people, you know, Come, come worship with us at Kingsland. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about Kingsland in uh, it's West Houston, Katy. Uh, um, and and uh, you can learn more at kingsland.org about all we're about. We're really passionate about family, <laughs> surprise, surprise, and missions. And so most of our, our energy and resources go to those two places. And secondly, for anybody anywhere listening to the show, we have produced us a website with free resources, over a thousand resources that have been, were used by I think 300,000 different people in 200 countries last year, wow. empoweredhomes.org. 
and uh, great resources that you can take, use for your family, some good dinner conversation insights that are there as well. So I hope you'll take advantage. Super. Well, I'm going to real quickly thank my sponsor, uh, Prism Specialties. You know, they're in the restoration business. Like we're talking about restoring the table, but they restore electronics, textiles, artwork that may have been damaged with uh, these these storms that we see that have been passing through uh, the southeast part of the United States. So uh, call Prism Specialties if you have any of those needs. And if you have any uh, comments, suggestions, input on the show or content, email me at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. So just a quick word of prayer. You want to close this out? I would love to. Thanks, David, for having me. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to have been here at this time. I ask your blessing on every listener, and I pray that you bless the table where they'll share their love for you with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. We believe the winners in this ring courageously follow God's word, love and protect God's woman, excel at God's work, batters God's world and his children. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.